Hello, beautiful people. My guest today is Hunter Orell. Hunter is the host of Morning Mint, Burning Gas, and NFT Roundtable. He's been putting out a bunch of NFT-related content for the past two months, three months, and he's quickly become on my radar because of his the Twitter spaces he hosts often, and he's clearly... A really smart dude, as you'll find out, working in AI for a day job, but also building some crazy things in the NFT world really quickly. And that is a result of his his mind, his brilliant mind. And you'll get a taste of that in this conversation. I hope you enjoy this one. If you have any thoughts about this episode, probably be doing a little bit more NFT content since I'm so fully invested in the space and believe it's going to change the world. But if you have any thoughts, at Hey Danny Miranda, looking forward to your feedback. And without further ado, Hunter Orell. Interesting people, thought provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. Hunter, thank you for coming on the podcast. We were just talking before we started about how NFTs has absolutely taken over my mind for the past, I don't know, month or two months. I first got into it with Gary V's project, The Intuitive Iguana, is what I purchased way back in May. And since then, I've dabbled in and gotten so excited. And you are someone in the space that is is clearly has their finger on their pulse. So I'm so happy to have you here and I'm so excited to talk about whatever we're going to talk about today. Yeah, Danny, I appreciate you reaching out. Um, that's super excited to hear about the iguana and Gary V. Um, is it a core? I have to ask, is it a core? What would you get? It's just, just a, a rare. It's a rare. No, it's a rare. No, so there's nothing wrong with that. I love that. It's, it's interesting. Why did you pick a rare over a core or a spec? What was your thought process on that? So I wanted... First of all, Gary tweeted to me the intuitive iguana. So that was so cool. And I was like, okay, that was a direct tweet at me. That was a sign to me. This was before he dropped the project. Uh, but for why I picked rare instead of uh, the floor, the floor is what? What, what is that called? Uh, it's just a core. It's called a core. A core. Yeah. So the reason why was because I, I said to myself, I wonder if it's rare, it'll probably appreciate more, even though they're probably around the same price. So that was my thinking. I didn't know if that was dumb thinking. I didn't know if that would play out. No, it's only no, been no. 90 days. I, I Well, the crazy thing is only 90 days in this space is is an eternity. Um, Years. If you go look at most of these projects on a 90-day 90 90 um, timescale, they have come and gone. Um, I would say V Friends is the one project that if you look at, it has pretty much held this trajectory of up, you know, good volume, good price action uh, throughout the last 90 days. Um, so it, it's, you really can't, you couldn't have gone wrong with anything. Um, and I think no matter what you have, based on how he's built his company, how he's built um, the project, you, you'll do well. Um, so I picked up a, a 555 fan, um, a spectacular lava background. Um, that was just kind of my 
I, I believe in it and I made some guesses and intuitive, uh, I guess, speculation uh, into what would come out of that purchase. Um, and I think on all the little tidbits he's dropped and what I've heard from the team and people uh, that know more than I do, that I did make the right guess uh, with that and what I wanted to get out of it. So I'm excited. Do you have any plans to flip that or are you going to hold that long, long term? So I have it listed right now at 105 um, ETH and I've gotten some private DMs for like 50 and then a whole bunch of like in the 30s. Um, I had it listed at 33 at one point and then I delisted and then people were like, hey, I would have bought it for 33. Will you relist it? And I was like, no, I, I actually would not uh, let it go at that point. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I don't think I would flip it. Um, if somebody were to come and take it at 105 when the announcements for it come out, um, I'll, I wouldn't be sad. I'd be like a little bit like, bit of like, you know, FOMO, just like missing out. Um, but I would immediately go back in. I think I would buy like two or three additional ones if that's sold at that price. Um, pick up a gift goat and then two more. And then I would take me and two friends uh, to VCon. That would be what I would do. Yeah, I have my iguana listed at 50. And just like I figured that would be pretty crazy money. I would probably just try to get back in. And why do you think so many people underestimated V friends in general? So I think I think it's, it comes from a space of most of the NFT people don't view Gary as an insider. Um, and in full transparency here, I'm, I'm a huge Gary V fan. I have nothing but love for him. Um, you know, it, it really is like my dream to like be friends with him, I guess. Um, and I've talked to him a little bit over the last couple months here um, in our private interactions. And, you know, he... I think I think just the community of the the normal twenty five thousand people looked and were like, great, this guy um, thinks he's going to sell these at this price. And I think they underestimated what his fans are going to do. His fans are primarily his buyers. Like if you do a wild analysis, most of his the the owners are like, well, they own one NFT and it's a V friends. And um, you know, I I think that's where the underestimation came from. I think when things clicked is when you know it wasn't like a pump and dump, and when we saw everybody, you know noodle handed every most of the people that bought were like this is it i'm holding it for three years um you'll have to offer me an insane number to pull it from my my hands um but he's also been pretty pretty adamant that he that, that wasn't just a pump and dump it wasn't like a one-time thing he's thinking on the 40-year term that's the way to do it um and i think people are looking at quality now like quality is a, a real project and a you know filter and we look at Cool Cats, um, Larva Labs, Board Ape Yacht Club, Wicked Craniums, um, Pixel Vault. These are all people thinking on long term, looking at collaborations, bringing value to holders. And that's what Gary's doing. And that's why I think at this point, most people, when they're like, all right, I want to throw in 20 ETH, I'm having the same discussion like every week. They're like, hey, I want to throw in 20 ETH. What do I buy? It's like, well, actually, V Friends, if you're looking at the scheme of things, is a good buy. Um, but it is hard for some people that are new to the space to grasp like this, this very like childish drawing, how that could be worth 30, 40, 50 grand um, and what justifies that. And I, I don't have an issue with it because I've drank the Kool-Aid, but um, it, it really does come down to who is running the project. What is their vision? Are they going to be able to act on? That's a big thing. 
and I don't want to go on like a long rant here, but there's a lot of promises being made. But when you buy something, it shouldn't just be on here's the roadmap. The roadmap's 5% of it. The other 95% is can can the people that are claiming this is our roadmap act on it? Can they execute? Um, because it is, it is probably one of the hardest things for um, like a business and brand development aspect to take something like you know V Friends or Cool Cats or Board Ape Yacht Club and actually build something that has intrinsic value to it, like you know an animated series or um, like kids lunchboxes or backpacks or whatever it's going to be um, that provides value back to the holders and, and really you know exponentially increases that investment's value. Yeah, something that Gary's talked about a lot is especially in the space is like betting on the jockey because Mm -hmm. while in entrepreneurship world that is so important the person running the ship but in nft world it's even more so the case but yeah i want to go go for it well i was gonna say like we're also in a space where like there's a thousand new ones popping up every day like well a couple hundred new projects every day which means it's not like um you know hey i'm gonna go start a I don't know, a cell phone case company where, yeah, there's some popping up, but not a new one every day that's like really and like people are looking and like searching for a new one. In NFT space, you really have to be like loud, but quality at the same time to get attention and and take off and hold that over you know a 90 day period. That's not easy because today we're looking at X, tomorrow we're at Y, next day Z. It just, we're... It's not, it's really hard to hold that attention. So I want to get in the weeds in this conversation, but I also want to go backwards to your first foray into the world of NFTs and how exactly that came to be. I know you posted your first video on YouTube two months ago, but that probably feels like an eternity ago. And I'd love to know how you started and said to yourself, I'm going to start putting out content related to nfts and where that journey began so the journey began with um me in a turkish airlines um lounge actually if, if i had to like go back and really pinpoint where i got really aggressive uh, on the space and um i think it was after like a couple drinks the two guys i was in this lounge with um were like hey like have you read vitalik's new blog post and we're like reading it and um, and then like somehow Top Shot came up. I, I don't know if it was somebody mentioned it or what. It was just on Twitter when I was I was reading um, more about this Vitalik post, and I was like, okay, well I've been bullish on Ethereum for a while. Um, let me try one of these Top Shot you know drops. And I you know enter the raffle and um, you know I think there's like five two hundred fifty thousand people for like sixty thousand packs. I got a pack. And then I got like a Zion card and like I turned $14 into $600 in like an hour. And I was like, oh, okay, like (laughs) this is cool. Like, but at the same time, I was like, this is insane. Like, why has nobody done digital playing cards like this? This is, and and, you know, I've had, I've had some companies before I've, I've dabbled in, you know, some private investments and it was like, dude, this company is going to be big. And it hit, like it clicked right away. I was like, I get it. Um, but what's the technology? Well, I don't understand it. And I had like a notebook and I started like looking at NFTs and I would like write down every acronym I didn't know. And then it turned into just a notebook of acronyms actually. 
Um, and I just kept diving deeper and deeper. And I was like, when I get to a point where like I can read through all these acronyms, understand how each is related to each other, um, you know, understanding, you know, what's going to happen with Ethereum, why this is scaling the way it is, how it impacts not only like the art, but like the music. Um, and even like, you know, now we're seeing like, how does it impact the comic industry? Um, and and every day it kind of goes somewhere new. And once I understood all that, I was like, wow, this is 10 years from now, this will, I will be like, I saw like, you know, the plane being built, um, in the Wright brothers factory, uh, and being like, oh, the analogy I've used is like, this is like, like walking the Las Vegas strip in the fifties when it was like two or like four buildings up the side of a road and they're all one story and being like, yeah, this is going to be the strip in 2021. I know it's coming and having like the insight to like, all right, I'm going to buy some land and even if it's like really shitty for five years, I'm going to eat dirt and grind. Um, that's my mentality. So I, I went all in. Um, I essentially liquidated all of my investments. I liquidated. Um, I mean, I would say I have right now net worth wise, I probably have 95% of my net worth in NFTs, not in Ethereum, just purely in NFTs um, or DAOs. Um, so I'm like fully, fully in Um and, you know, I started, I started like looking more and I was like, Hey, I want to make a personal brand. I want to like build and I want to make content. It's kind of been one of those things. Um, I just put up a video. I was like, somebody's got to talk about this. Um, and it just kind of gone from there of me wanting to not only catalog, like, and keep myself, you know, up to date on things. Um, but I really do enjoy like making connections. It's never been about how many followers do I have? How many subs do I have? Um, it's never been about how much money can I make. It's really just been all from a passion of I would like to be in this space for the next 60 years. I would like to build my name off of this technology. Um, and I, I hope that that's how people perceive it. I hope it's not like, a, hey, I'm just here to like get views and, and cash out and act like I don't know nobody. Um, but like it, it's it's purely just from I love the space. I love the people. And uh yeah, man. Like I'm, I'm just happy to be here. I'm really grateful. I'm a, a very, I try to stay humble, um, and, and just really be grateful for every moment that I have, um, since finding the space. What was the time frame from the Turkish airways lounge to putting out your first video or putting out your first um, content related to NFTs? Probably a month. Um, you know, I, I, the air lounge, the airline lounge to getting home, probably like a week, and then, you know, catching up on some work and stuff. And then, you know, there's probably like two weeks there where I was not sleeping. And it was, you know, 22, 20 to 22 hours a day doing research. Um, wow. And when I say research, I mean, I would have a podcast going with, you know, um, either like a DC investor or Bankless or... Um, listening to uh, Sun or like just anything that had to do with Ethereum and or NFTs, making sure I could answer every single question. Um, so like for two weeks, I filled up like six or seven notebooks. Uh, and, and this is what I tell people. If you're going to like, you want to get aggressive on this space, you got to wake up every morning and act like, you know, today's the final exam and I haven't gone to class for the entire semester and I have nine hours or I have, you know, I have 18 hours of, of you know, awake time to study. And you just got to go. Um, and it's not its not easy for everybody. I've definitely made some sacrifices, like, you know, friends and, and relationships um, to kind of go after this space. 
and that's I'm I've made that decision, um, and, and I understand the consequences. But it is really like this is a once in a lifetime, once in a generation, generational wealth. Um, there, there's land for grabbing, and I've seen this play out over the last ten years in different industries. You know, crypto obviously is the most relevant one for people, um, but like social media, the internet. Um, oh my God, there's so many other ones, but like there's a land grab here. It isn't like a question of if this will be used in the future. It is a question of like how long until it goes really mainstream and how big does that get um, in the short term? Because in the long term, this is technology that's used uh, by everybody day to day, even if they don't know they're using it just because of the, um, I would just say because of the the utility and the the functionality that it adds in a good way and cutting out middlemen and rewarding creators and rewarding people that are taking that leap early um so like owning a musician's first concert ticket proving it it's verified everybody knows it's real that that shit it it makes no sense that it doesn't exist right now so that's why i'm so bullish what drew you in the most like what made you say Okay, I got to do 20 hours of research right now. Was it going from $14 to 600 in a second or was there something else? Yeah, I mean, so the the business person to me says, yes, like the money meant was like a, whoa, that's crazy. Um, the, you know, my background's in mechanical engineering. My, I would say my, um, just my technology understanding as well as my business both said like, whoa, this is, this is actually something that's useful. Um and can be used by millions of people. It solves lots of issues. Um, and when I looked at like the music industry and thought about what does it mean when every artist gets a royalty off of every play, or they they still own their music when it goes out, that was like a like you know. There's been so many like it's clicked, and I'm like, all right, I'll double down. Um, you know, technically at this point, I'm like quadruple down or like I like 16x <laughs> down. Um, just because there's been so many moments where it clicks and it clicks and it clicks. And um, when I get those moments of it makes sense to me, I have conviction, I understand it. I, I just, I, I keep going and pushing and trying to figure out more and more. Um, and it's hard though. I took like a week, the last week I took off for some wedding stuff, best friend um, since, you know, high school. And it was like five days, six days of like being away from the computer um, not away from NFTs because that was all I talked about with this this group that I was with. It was really funny, um, but you know, to be away for even a day or two is is hard because I, it's so much catching up to do because it moves at hyperspeed. Okay, so you're in this group and no one has heard of NFTs before. How have you do heard you about present- the bus story? I have not. I've heard of it. I haven't heard about what it is exactly i saw you tweeting about it but i, I didn't so i don't know anything the, further than that i was on this bus to to virginia um and you know bus full of people and somebody asked me uh hunter you know what are you working on and i was like oh god i was like oh shit here we go again um and, and i kind of tried to play it off because i hate being that guy who like works nfts and everything i feel kind of guilty um and within like 15, 20 minutes of that question, I would say the entire bus, I was explaining what is MetaMask, what is an NFT, 
you know, what my biggest flips have been. Cause the money again, draws people in, they see the financial. Um, and that's the easiest thing. Cause like whenever you give a speech, your opening line should be like that, that grabber, like where it gets everybody's attention. And then they're like hung, like, okay, tell me how you turned 16 K into like 400 K in two weeks. Like that, that's a grabbing phrase. Like people hear that and like, okay, I've got 16 K to give you like, let's do it. Um, and you know, from there was explaining, to everybody, okay, this is, you know, what photography looks like. This is what music looks like. This is what an animation looks like in the NFT space. Um, and why people are paying this much, why it's going to hold value. Um, trying to make the, you know, Hey, like I was talking to one guy, one guy in the bus were, um, is associated with rally, um, rally road who fractionalizes, uh, like sports cards, cards, uh, cars actually. Um, and actually they're getting into crypto punks. And he got it really quickly and he's like, oh my God, like this is, this is insane. Like I've, I've heard about it. I get it. Um, and so by the end of this trip or at least end of the bus ride that day, six hours on the bus, everybody was talking about it. By the end of the trip this past Friday, everybody had made a MetaMask. Everybody had made a Coinbase. Um, some people had already purchased. And I think between like the group, um, the average investment was like seven, seven to 10 grand, um, between, you know, the, the entire bus. And I mean, I have, I have messages every single morning from these people. Um, you know, some of them have wives already and their wives are into it. Um, you know, and, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy to see people who nothing about it a week ago and were doubters at first and didn't get it. It just clicked for them. And when I see that, I understand, hey, like, this is happening every single day, every single weekend, every single big event, every single holiday. People are going home and talking about this. It's only going to exponentially increase in the amount of people being onboarded. And what happens when this hits esports? What happens when a video game introduces NFTs directly into it, like a Call of Duty or a Fortnite? What happens when um, college athletes who are now allowed to use um, through the NIL, when they are allowed to now go and make their own NFTs and let players, you know, college fans bet on them essentially and say, I own his, not only, it's not like his rookie NFL card, I own his like Genesis wow. NFT. So imagine owning like the Lamar, obviously like he's, you know, there's still the word, the, the word's not out yet on Lamar, but like imagine owning like Lamar's freshman season, like right, like his card. That's big. I just got chills, man. It's a whole it's, new so, paradigm for the world. And so, and it, but that's the thing. It's accessibility for so many people. It opens up and makes a level playing field. You don't have to have a record label anymore to make a million dollars off a song. I mean, yeah, Spotify has existed, but you can go to Audius, which is, you know, blockchain uh, backed Ethereum blockchain uh, audio platform, and you can make royalties off of stream, make royalties off of people listening to your music. Um, you don't have to be in Sotheby's to make money off of your art. You can be on OpenSea. And it doesn't mean that you have to have a huge marketing team behind you. It just means you have to be a player in the community. And you can go from being you know, a 17-year-old doodling in the back of class to being Qocious. There are no... like It's flipping the whole game on its head. It's a middle finger to the middleman. It's a middle finger to the way it's always been done. And... You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in when you cut out people that shouldn't be making money and there's like, you know, the big, the rake is huge in a certain industry. Those are ripe for disruption. And so like I look at betting, I look at 
the music industry. I look at art galleries and I just go, you're going to have your, like you either have to adapt really, really quickly or just like I would be putting money in the bank knowing that your business is uh, on the, you know, about to be over overtaken. From just a practicality standpoint, it's absurd that the artist from 200 years ago of a crazy painting that is shared today doesn't get any royalty from that. And because it's, yeah. it's, it's very difficult for that to happen in a, in a physical world. But when you create a digital world where all of a sudden you can put on the blockchain 2.5%, 5% for any additional royalty, like that person's family gets taken care of every time that artist yep. puts a sale out there. It's just right. more practical and it makes more sense. Right. And so that, that I mean, that alongside like in a physical world, you have to ship, there's, um, you know, you have to deal with uh, borders and customs, taxes of different countries. Um, there's chargebacks. There are, you know, waiting periods for, for some of this. And yeah, we still do see that with Christie's and Sotheby's. Like if you sell an NFT there, you're going to be waiting 90 to 90 days to five months at some points. Um it's, you know, it just kind of makes everything trustless, instantaneous, fully verifiable. Provenance is not, you know, on a piece of paper that can be edited. Things can't be stolen and like just disappear. And like, we have no idea where they went. If something does get like hacked, we can see where it's going, how it's being moved. Um, so I, I think in that sense, like those are all pros for it as well. Um but I, I really think like the big winners here at the end of the day are artists and we're in the middle of an art revolution. It's like an art renaissance where we will hold artists like Fuocious, we'll hold people like X copy, um, you know, people that are in art blocks at the same level as we do like, you know, sports players, actresses and other celebrities um, because we're really in a point now where because you can now monetize owning a piece of art, you can rent it out. It can be a cash flowing asset. You can take collateral against it. Like the game, again, flipped on its head because I can go and take a squiggly and a board API club, get a loan against it and go buy a house. I mean, that was, that was a hard conversation to have with some people and then like see them go, no, you can't. I mean, you'd be like, you know, maybe not right now at the level I'd hope to, but like it's coming. That is coming. Because these are all very, very easy, transparent markets of here's the fair value for X. Okay, here's an over, you know, an uh, under collateralized or over collateralized, excuse me, um, loan against that asset. So um, it, it's going to be wild. And I think CryptoPunks currently, if I were to tell you like, hey, here's what I would buy. Here's the top of the top. CryptoPunks really for me is my like ultimate grail. I'd love to own one. Right besides like a Gary V V friends goo and a, a lost Robbie and an auto like I have very like there, there's like five or six that I hold at like a grail level, um, but punks I think in a year from now people will look back and say that was free money sitting there honestly, even at 150k so, and you can you can quote me on that. So the floor right now for a punk is what 150k 40. It's like year? one. It's like 135, I think. It's like 44. Um, but it's really not. It's really 50 if you look at the, you know, what the uh, the depth on it is. There's like eight eight to 15 punks before 50, 50 floor. So um, it's not that deep. And you had one stolen from you, right? 
not stolen. I wouldn't say stolen is the right word. I would say like I've I've been within like three or four ETH of being able to pull the trigger on a few punks that I I've really like. They're one I got. I would hold. It wouldn't be a flip. You'd be like, I'm happy with it. I love it. Um, you know, and either have the market take off up on me, or have like another opportunity that came to me and I was like, you know, that the punk. I gotta wait on the punk. Um, you know, that my time will come. Um, you know, I had right before the punk floor took off, I had the option to either invest in a, a DAO or buy a punk. And I kind of, I had to figure out like, does me taking 20 ETH, 30 ETH and putting into a punk right now, do I see that quadruple 10 X hundred X? Or is that like, okay, that's a, you know, at best right now, a 50 X of my money. So let's say a punk ends up being 400 ETH. Um, can this DAO outperform it? I unfortunately and fortunately, like no matter what way you want to look at it, um, I'm a pretty disciplined investor. I try to take emotion out of it and I chose like, okay, let's go for the DAO. I, I see who's in it. I see what the strategy is. I can see this being, you know, turning 50K into 5 million in a, in a year or two. Um, so I made that bet and said I would cash flow any of my um, payouts from that into either back into it to get a punk or take money up elsewhere to get into a punk. Um, but I try not to let like emotions or let like, Hey, I have to have this cause it's cool right now. Play into that. Um, I just play the here's where I think I'll make the most money. What's the most secure, um, asset in the long run and then set myself up to own like two punks potentially. Could you explain what exactly a DAO is? This is something that I've heard far and wide, but I've never actually, oh, I'm so- and I'm sorry, like if, if any point I go like very technical, um, let me too technical because I know not all your viewers know, but like a DAO was called a de- decentralized uh, autonomous organization, DAO, um, and it's essentially a company. Like you can think of it as like almost an LLC, um, but it's essentially like a group of guys who get together. There's a multi-sig wallet, so it's like a MetaMask essentially. Um, I think the one that is mostly used is called uh, Genosis, um, G-N-O-S-I-S. So there's like five, there could be as many people as you want, but they all have their own key to this wallet. And so for a transaction or for something to happen, um, you know, either 100% of the people that have the key or like a majority of them, like three out of five, will click. When you like when you go to MetaMask and do a transaction, you have to hit that sign. And actually it's like you verifying, hey, I want to turn the key and do this. Um you know, on the multi-sig, you have to have all these people hit sign to do this transaction. So what, um, what happens if someone dies or someone is unable to press the sign button for whatever reason? This is a great question. So we, there are people out there that set up these DAOs and look in, like we have attorneys, we have lawyers that look over it. There is like a um, structure, an operating agreement. There is um kind of like backup. So like we don't require that, um, you know, I forget, I think it's six people need to sign for our, there's six people that have keys and it only takes four of the six to sign. It's either four of the six or five of the six. So like if at any point somebody were to die, then there's still, we still have access to it. Um, but like we will see some people, like if potentially we have a DAO that has like five of five need to sign or five of six need to sign, and like two of them die because they're in the same plane that crashes, that that is a huge like security risk. Um, wow. So uh, you definitely have to be 
planning for for some of this or at least like forward thinking so you don't especially when like we raised um probably i'm gonna say we went from idea to raise to closing our our first round in like 18 hours 24 hours and we had um 2.6 million dollars in that 24 hours invested into into the dow um and then you and how many others um me and probably i'd have to look probably about 18 others it was like nine i think the final was like 19 or 20 people um so i mean there was it it was probably one of the most surreal experiences ever from you know a t- two text messages to a meeting to having funding and then it being closed in such a short period of time and then having celebrities like people that i re- like and I, I i'm sorry i can't get into like exact names but like to people that not only I look up to, but like I use their product. I know what they do. Like the fact that I heard their voice blows my mind. Um, people that are making a change in the Ethereum ecosystem, like, and then be like, I want to be in, in the next round. I don't care what it costs. Like, I love this idea. Um, just one of the most surreal experiences since I got into the space. And like, like I said, I got into this purely from a, I'm interested. I like the technology, not from a, Hey, I want to make money. Obviously the money is a, you know, kind of a result of getting so deep into this stuff, but I never thought I would have these conversations. I never thought I'd have, you know, a drink with, uh, Justin, uh, Justin Taylor, who's uh, a product, uh, owner at Twitter. Um, I never thought I would have, you know, dinner with Justin, uh, Aversano, who's the founder and who did twin flames, like just conversations, um, follows from people like business opportunities, um, stuff that I'm launching on my own just never thought it would happen. Um, and I think that's like the fun part of it is I'm not like coming into this, like, where can I make money? It's more of like a, what do I think I'm going to have fun doing? What do I think I can do that provides value to people? Um, what do I, what can I do that I think is going to, um, be important, I guess, and impact people's lives in a positive way. That's kind of how I analyze, you know, as far as analysis goes, that's how I approach everything. And what was the idea that people were so excited about for this DAO that you created? Um, so, and again, I, I can't go too uh, gotcha. too far into it. I probably, I, it sucks because we're probably like 24 to 36 hours away. I have to look um, and see on the calendar here when they're going to make the announcement on like what's happening, who's, who's involved, um, just because there's some purchases that need to be made. Um, and obviously, <laughs> the second I think this comes out, people will uh, will understand what we're doing and probably adjust things uh, against us. Um, but I do like I, I think I've mentioned it in, in many other things I've put out. The Ethereum ecosystem, the NFT ecosystem, has so many different industries that it's going to touch and completely disrupt. Um, I'm positioning myself and my portfolio where I'm moving my money into where I think we'll see the most disruption, where we'll see, um, you know, the most people look that are running companies right now, look at this and go, Oh shit. Like we we're too big and too slow to react to this. We either need to buy somebody out. Um, or we need to like, just put it all in on NFTs because, and, and like we're disregard what our attorneys say. Cause that's the biggest thing we've seen is that a lot of these big corporations are like, Oh, that's a really cool thing. But then like Disney's attorneys are like, no, don't please like do not like we can't, you can't do X, Y, and Z and we need to protect the brand. And I think right now if you're protective, 
you're you're going to put yourself in a bad position. You need to be out there, high risk, make mistakes, lose money, potentially, um, you know, f up some some IP. But you're moving really quickly and figuring it out so that you're you know ahead of the the rest of the the players in your industry. Yeah, and and Tom Billu shouted you out the other day. How cool yeah, is that? I love Tom. It, so it was. <laughs> Tom is one of those people who is always in Twitter spaces. Um, and he's, I, I, he's a, he's a serial lurker. And I say that in a good way. Like he's always listening. Um, and he does like, he's jumped up and said a few things, but he mostly for the most part listens and he is doing his homework. He's one of those people I know is like actively listening in the community. He's say, listening way more than he puts out. He's obviously trying to figure out where, you know, where he's going to play his chips. Um, I'm not sure what his portfolio looks like or what money he's put in, but from what I can tell that he's doing, he's just being smart. Um, and so he, when I got the follow from him, when I got the shout out from him, even um, that blew my mind. And it, it came at a point when I was like, I, I know exactly where I was standing. I was just outside this window here, standing in my yard and I, it popped up and I was like, what the hell? Like, no way. Like, and it was totally uncalled for. Like, I think the last time I had DM'd with him was like two weeks ago or like a week and a half prior. And the last time I had any kind of interaction with him online was like a week prior. Um, and it was just totally random and it meant, it meant so much to me. Um, and I got a text message from my mom who apparently like stalks my, uh, my Twitter account. And, um, and she, she was like, oh, my God, I love the Quest bars. And then Quest uh, liked the tweet. And um, it's just been surreal. Again, like, these are things I never expected to happen. I didn't come into it saying, hey, I want to become friends with, like, CEOs and celebrities. Um, and it's just, like, I cannot tell you how grateful I am to these people that have given me, like, a shout-out or have followed me or endorsed me um, or even just said, like, hey, we like what you're doing. It means, it means so much. Packy McCormick has a great blog post called The Great Online Game. And he talks about how Twitter, in a sense, can be like a video game. And how the people who are doing it best are receiving all these badges and honors and, and incredible things happening to them. And those are the people that are winning the great online game. And to hear you speak and to hear you talk, it just sounds like you are someone who is winning the great online game. What advice would you have for someone who is looking at you and being like, wow, those are incredible things. I would like some of those things to happen to me as well. Yeah, I, th I think seeing it as a game, um, it's an interesting take. I would say you can't look at it as a game um, yeah. because the second you look at this and you're like, hey, I need to you know, do X, Y, and Z, complete. Like if we think about it from like a real game analogy here, like, I have a quest and I need to do this. And at the end of it, I get X and you're expecting to get X. You can't, you cannot, you cannot come into this with ex expectations. I came into it with the mentality of, Hey, I just want to make stuff and we'll see what happens. And, um, I never thought I'd be founding a company out of this or starting, you know, media production stuff and having conversations with like TV networks. Like that was never a goal. Um, mm -hmm. and I think everybody who comes in needs to have that mentality of, I'm just going to jump in be an active player in the community. And that doesn't mean come in and shill and say, buy my shit, join my discord, do this. I think it means like, just jump in, like have a conversation, say somebody, Hey, I love this art. How did you make it? Um, what smart contract did you use? How did you get started? 
Um, like just be like a genuine person. And I think that's always just been how I am. Like if I went to a Thanksgiving party with my parents when I was like 10, I would talk, I'd be the kid like talking to the adults, like, Oh, what do you do? Like explain that to me. I don't understand it. Like, I think if you do that and just come in and talk, um, that alone will put you in a place for success. If you're a creator, um, if you're a creator listening to this and you're like, Hey, I want to get into this, the NFT space, not as a you know collector and throw um, money at it, but just like make stuff, please listen to me. The best thing you can do is come into this with the zero expectations and just be that person who talks. And when you make content about what you're doing and explain like, this is why I drew this, or this is why I came out um, with this punk's derivative and you show like your real thought process and why it's not just a, a pump and dump and why there's real thought and real effort and explain who you are and what the project is. And you put that out there. That's how, you know, quote unquote, you win the game. That is how you become part of the community. That is how you provide value to people. That is how you make an emotional attachment to somebody who's listening. Um, because it's not a just make something, throw it on open sea, kick back and watch the dollars roll in. That's not the game we're playing. Um, at a point there, it, we were close to it at one point. Like I, I will admit, like in the early days, if, if you if somebody retweeted something you were doing, it would sell. We're not at that point anymore. It's there are real, you know, kind of qualities that you need to pass to get get a purchase right now. The supply is rising, right? It's like Insane. a billion dollars. A billion dollars in open sea has been transacted in August already, but it's just like every day it seems like a new profile picture avatar community comes up and you know it's it's interesting to watch and and i'm sure of those that launch in the next you know thousand five hundred days it's like five percent three percent are going to succeed on a massive level less than that less than yeah. that um, and it, I, so I would i would take? say 99 percent of the projects that we see come out go to zero or they just absolutely are illiquid and there isn't demand. Um, and I think my kind of take on it is anybody who's taken a microeconomics course, um, you only need the first week or two of material to understand what's happening. And it's purely look at supply, look at demand. And then in that intersection there, there's a price, you know, a price intersection. And that's how price is uh, determined. If our supply keeps rising, the price for a lot of this stuff, when attention is so spread thin, when money is so spread thin, um, yeah, you'll have those things that do a 14x or you know a 13x like the Hearst pieces. But for every one of those, there's 100 others that minted at 0.1 and now have no relevancy. They have no you know social signal to them. It was just a hey, it had attention. Now it's gone, and the project doesn't have anything life, you know, life long life um, left in it. It'll they'll go to zero. Um, and I think it makes sense. Like we've seen this with ICOs. ICOs would pop up, and overnight they would go from being worth a couple hundred thousand market cap to a billion market cap. That's unsustainable. Um, we're seeing the same thing with projects where it's ten thousand avatars that are minted for 0.08 and then they go to 0.8 and then you know the the music's over and we play musical chairs for who can get out before we get back to mint price and then it's like well why would you want to own this there's no team there's no long-term roadmap they can't execute on it even if there is one that that's my thought and that's why i've kept my money in primarily high high quality stuff like twin flames 
uh, Punk's comic, uh, Art Blocks, um, Board Ape Yacht Club, and I'm not sure what else I have that's like, I mean, I, I'm really kind of, my profile is, as far as like what I've had has been slimmed down to make room for, for some DAO investments, but I've only put stuff in that I know like I can go to bed at night and even it goes to like, it drops 50%. I'll just buy more of them because I know they're going to come back in price and I don't have to worry just because I, I fully believe in these people. How do you balance investing in these projects and also covering while you're doing the morning mint and you're, you have your podcast. So it's like you're covering it on one side, but you're also investing on the other. How do you balance those two? Unfortunately, like I'm not as balanced as I want to be. Um, I think I have mentioned in this interview, I am building out a company right now. Um, so I'll have more infrastructure around me. I do kind of have a VA right now who handles some stuff for me. Um, is that your brother? I, it is my brother. Um, but there's, <laughs> I have like two other VAs that I'm talking with that are going to manage some stuff. Um, and I've have like, there's gonna be some incubator stuff that comes out. I have like two or three people who will be running that, um, some VC stuff that I'll be, you know, having other people manage, um, and then like on top of like some of the shows we're doing, it will replace some of like the stuff I, I want to actively be doing, um, with like teams of people and it'll actually even bring things to me a little bit easier. Um, if that kind of gives you an idea of how I'm thinking, I'm, I'm very much on the idea of build a machine that can do many things like the same thing over and over and over and perfect that. Um, so if I want to be in like the consulting and creation space, I want to build out a, a company and a team that can do that better than anybody else the same way, better and better each time, like, and keep pushing the limit of what, you know, is it, is an expectation. The same way goes for investments. Like I want to have a team that can look at a project, understand like, here's what we look for. Here are the boxes that need to be checked. Here's how I think and how, you know, the thesis that we'll have and then teach people how to do that. Um, so right now I'm really spread thin. I'm like between like interviews, doing my own thing, researching, making notes. Um, and then, you know, because of how many people I talk to every once in a while, a project will come across and I'll be like, I love it. I love what it's going to do. I'll bet on it. Let's put in 0.3 ETH and see what happens. For the content creation, do you mean creating a machine for that? And if so, what does that look like? So I think a lot of people don't realize, like, when you look at just a simple podcast, there's a lot that needs to happen for it. Um, you know, setting up, scheduling, the actual editing, if there needs to be audio reworked, uploading that, making sure, you know, it's scheduled, has a description. That alone is is a pretty intense, no, not intense, but, like, there's a lot of steps in there. Then add in YouTube, and that's just one show. And then imagine if you're going to do it within the metaverse. Imagine if it's going to be with you know several other hosts. Imagine if it's going to be distributed live at the same time across many other platforms. Um, and the branding that needs to come with that, the promotion, the media. And as you start adding more and more layers onto it and thinking bigger and thinking, okay, instead of me just making a YouTube video where I talk about stuff in the morning, what does this look like if it's a production network where like we're ABC and we talk about everything, we bring in analytics, we bring in um, premium content and premium ways that haven't been done before. That's how I'm thinking. I'm not thinking I'm going to make a show and it's going to be the number one show. I'm thinking I'm going to make a network and it's going to have number one through 10 shows on it. 
And it's going to have the backbone to do that and the right producers and the right editors and the right minds that are supporting each other. And I don't want to build silos. I don't want to have a show where, you know, the Morning Mint has its people and they do the Morning Mint. And then I have a newsletter that's doing analysis on like market or our, our, our wallet contents and wallet transactions for um, like Punk's comic. That doesn't make sense to me. I want, I want it to be a supporting team where, you know, Morning Mint's like, I need analytics and research on this. Great. I have a team for that. Oh, we need to know more about like this artistic, you know, algorithm that's being used for this art blocks drop. Great. We have somebody who understands P5JS and uh, open processing or Python and that code and can look at that and say, this is a very technical algorithm that isn't just a copy paste from a math textbook. They've actually taken the time to make like a very complex algorithm. I can't do all of that at once. So I'm going to build the team around me. Um, and I'm going to provide opportunities to people that are working with me so that when they step in to my company, I'm going to make them the best version of themselves. And if they want to go do their own thing, great. I'm, I've given, given that opportunity, I've taught them, and they can go do their own thing. Um, but I really want to make it where if you work with me, if you, you know, if you are part of the machine, I'll make do everything for you. Um, but I don't expect you to stay. Like if it's not the right opportunity, that's very selfish of me. Um, and that's just my mentality on life is provide as much as possible. And, you know, you can take some, that's fair. Like if you're providing something, um, but provide way, way more than you take and you'll be successful. Three months ago, you hadn't even heard of an NFT or maybe five, six months ago you were, I would say it was like right at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021 is when I found out about NFTs. It got really serious on it. Um, in January, February, and from there is when I made my like big leap and got into it aggressively. Gotcha. So a year ago, you didn't know what NFTs were. I don't, I don't think a lot of people did today. You're fully invested in the space and fully you're ready to build out systems, content creation. You're creating every day on the space and you're fully involved in building a huge business. It sounds like in NFTs around NFTs. What do you think you would be doing if it wasn't NFTs? So outside of NFTs, I do have like investment portfolios. I do have um, a a venture capital fund that does real estate as well as, um, uh, oh my God, online websites. So like uh, web resources. (laughs) That old Um, stuff. but, But like... I would say that definitely wasn't like a breadwinner for me. My background is you know, mechanical engineering. I work for a big uh, tech company. I do artificial intelligence for them. Um, honestly, it's it's really hard. It's a hard question. I've made, I would say I've made some really big sacrifices in the last couple of weeks here where, you know, I had the ability to go work for somebody else that I've held at like the highest standard since like 2013 and that would have allowed me to go, you know, live with my girlfriend at the time and, and, and be out there. But, you know, I, I kind of I kind of made the sacrifice and I think I've made um, the decision that would make me happy on. I just got to go after this. Um, and I, th- I think ultimately I would have ended up here no matter what, just because of how I I kind of stay on top of what's happening in the world. I just don't, I don't see any way, even if I didn't find out about Top Shot when I did, that I didn't end up finding about NFTs, you know, four months later, or even like within this time period and being like, oh my God, I love this. And having that same reaction, um, even if I didn't make that $500 off the $14, like 
I just think my I'm driven by you know what is interesting and what do I think is going to change the world and that's just kind of the engineer in me talking. Um, so I think I think no matter what I would have ended up here. You're driven by the next frontier, which is I think a very common thing. Yeah, but I think I think it's important. A lot of a lot of your listeners who are probably looking for like financial freedom and they're looking to make the best of themselves, the looking at like the next frontier is a great way to find stuff early. But and it's a huge but. You can't be that person who finds the frontier and then goes, "Okay, what's the next frontier?" You need to find when you find something that like feels right, it hits all your passions. Like I used to like I used to flip Yeezys, I used to flip shoes. Um, I, I was the kid who had a lemonade stand at the end of their driveway. Um, I uh, like eBay flipping, yard sale flipping, like the collecting collection stuff, video games, like online marketplaces, like all these different intersections on top of the tech and having a coding background and um, obviously doing a little bit of art in the side, like all these intersections. I look at NFTs and I'm like, that's me. This is my yeah. next 60 years. I'll die doing NFTs. Um, if you are a new frontier person and you find your passion, don't go and like, Hey, this is great. And then keep looking around for like, what's next, what's hot, what's in the news. You need to like, when you find it, you know, put your, put your anchor in the ground and be like, this is where I'm at. If we enter a bear market, I'm ready to stay. I can weather two years of shit and eat dirt and get dirty and, you know, not have the spotlight on me. Like, not worry about followers. I'm just going to put shit out. I'm going to keep building and not look at other people just focused on me. That's the mentality you have to have if you want to be the best version of yourself. I love that. That's a, that's a great rant there. You, you kind of touched on artificial intelligence, and that's what you do in your day-to-day or, or at one point did. What, what is artificial? That's a very broad term, and I'd love to go deeper in that. And what drew you into AI? So... It's that that's another great story, completely unrelated to to NFTs. But um, my day job, essentially, uh, they wanted to look at data, and they told me to make an Excel spreadsheet. I looked at them, and I was like, "You're freaking like you're insane if you think I'm going to make Excel sheets like this to analyze data." Um, and then you know, there's there's very statistical terms that are within that. Like we look at like regression analysis, and I'm just like looking at this stuff, and I'm like, "There's a better way." Like I've heard about AI, I should learn it. I took six months and I taught myself AI uh, while while at my job. Um, started creating tools. Started uh, basically becoming like the know it all kind of like de facto. Like if you have an AI question or a data question or a computer vision question, you go to Hunter. Um, and then over the last two and a half years at my day job, I've kind of built up more and more and more as um, you know being able to navigate the company uh, within their their ventures that you know, have either used for AI or could possibly use AI um, as all as, as well as like investments into AI uh, companies as well. Um, but our artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence is essentially just statistics, but you know, you you've trained a, a model um, or an algorithm to understand how to react to either an image or a data set. Um, and it's kind of defined a, a thought process uh, of nodes where if X, you know, you have a certain input, it will tell you a different output. It's just a big function. What made you so willing to just devote six months of your time to learn this completely new thing? Um, so I had, a, I had an interview with Kath Simard last night, and I think 
she used a really, really good word. And I'll add another word to it. Obsession uh, was the word she used. Like I'm driven by obsession. When I, when I see something and I can see what the end result is going to be, I understand there's going to be failures. I understand that there's going to be bumps in the road. I could even be wrong. Um, and that's why I'm always kind of like open to like, you know, navigating or pivoting or, or admitting like, Hey, this isn't, you can't be emotional. You got to admit when you're wrong and re reassess. Um, I think it's just obsession and grit. Like when you look at both of those properties or both of those characteristics in a person, if you have those, it, it just, it's all about having that drive and momentum and coming back and staying late um, putting in the extra hours, you know, not listening to the person next to you who says you're wrong, not listening to or looking at the people that are next to you succeeding more than you're at, you are at that point. Um, you know, I kind of just focus on me, have my plan and, and go execute on it. Um, and it's been working out pretty well so far, I guess. Clearly. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Hunter. And I'm curious if you have any final pieces of parting words before we go to a close and you can plug your stuff. Yeah. So I don't think I have anything to plug. Um, you know, you can follow me if you want or, or connect with me. I'm always open to discuss and meet new people, but I would say for your listeners who are trying to find like the best version of themselves and better themselves. Um, you know, if you are one, I'll, I'll touch on NFTs. One, if you're going to get into NFTs, don't come in with the mentality of how do I make a million dollars Come in with the mentality of how do I learn and understand what an NFT is, understand what's happening, what the market's doing, um, what is quality, what's going to be around. Just come in and learn first. I wouldn't throw $1,000 at it. Um, and I think from like a bettering yourself perspective, even if you don't get into NFTs or you do, when you find that thing, like I said, that you're passionate about, you know, go all in on it. And don't listen to the person that's like in your ear saying you're wrong. Don't look at the person next to you who's doing the same thing. It looks like you're doing the same exact thing as them, but they're getting 20 times as much success. You just got to like understand if you are genuine, you're interacting, you're providing value, you're a positive person, um, and people like what you're doing, that's, it, it will like eventually lead to that success. And it's always better to have like, you know, one follower is better than zero. Give all of your, like, don't be like, how do I get follower too? You should be looking at, hey, if I have one follower, how do I give this one follower as much love and much like attention and much value as possible? And maybe like follower two comes. And at that point, you go, hey, you two guys, what can I do for you? And when it gets to 20, hey, you 20 guys, how, what can I do for you? It's always, it should be that mentality that you have. Not, hey, I wish I had a million and I only have 20. Those 20 people are your fucking best friends, let me tell you. Retweet, Hunter retweet <laughs> that was great stuff i appreciate you tremendously thank you for coming on follow this man on twitter follow his his spaces follow him on on youtube as well i enjoy it all and i'm appreciative of you putting out your energy and knowledge into the world you're a real talent i think we're gonna look back on this interview in 10 years and be like wow those kids were real good looking <laughs> 10 i can't years wait ago. to see what you do danny I'm, I'm really excited for you um you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people in the space and you certainly uh, have that charisma and have that uh, that thing I look for in people. So I'm excited to see what you do more than more than myself. I appreciate it. And we're we're uh, it's going to be fun to look back on for sure. And this will be saved forever 100%. on the YouTube and podcast fronts. Thank you for coming on. Looking forward to doing it again, maybe sometime in person and appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. 
Hope you enjoyed that episode with Hunter Orell. If you have any feedback about this episode, let me know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. Appreciate you listening, as always, until the final moments. It means the absolute world to me. And thank you. I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.